here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 106.2 FM in Table Mountain. Well, uh, we are here and uh, we are going to continue giving you the information that uh, you need to know. The Talking Point is the name of the show. My name is Patricia Ndule and I'm standing in for Kathy. who will be back tomorrow. We are right now going to be looking at the issue of alcohol industry. This industry is one that has been hit quite hard ever since we've had uh, national lockdowns. And, um, and because it's said to be a contributor to either super spreaders or um, the influx in hospitals and obviously if there's less alcohol there's been some reports that are shown that there's lesser people being admitted into hospitals lesser car accidents and and so on and so forth but this industry is one that employs quite a lot of people we are speaking to Sibane Mgati who is a chairperson of the South African Liquor Brand Owners Association about uh, the, the nervousness in the industry pre the Easter holidays. Sibane, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, good morning, Patricia, and thanks for the opportunity. So w- what's the feel on the ground amongst liquor traders? Oh, say that again, Patricia. What's the feel on the ground amongst liquor traders right now before the Easters? Well, there's a lot of anxiety, especially amongst traders. I mean, it's been a very difficult 12 months uh, and uh, significant losses and People have uh, started to trade again, trying to recover the, the or resuscitate their businesses, and suddenly they are anticipating a possibility of another ban, which will really, really be difficult because, I mean, manufacturers on our side, we have had to uh, kind of lightly subsidize recovery of the industry, offer probably discounted and uh, uh, better trading terms for, for, for traders to be able at least to get stock to get started again. And all of that will go down the drain if we uh, end up being uh, a band again. Well, looking at uh, some of uh, the recommendations that the South African alcohol industry has made to the government through NEDLAC, could you tell us what some of these recommendations are and how they will at least make sure that the industry is not uh, hard hit? Yeah, our view is that we are not yet in the third wave. Uh, That wave is anticipated. What is needed then is to make sure that we minimize uh, the number of infections to make sure that that third wave is not as bad as the second wave was. So to deal with that, we our view was that then you need to handle the issue of gatherings, which is where then the infections spread, and therefore we were... Uh, proposing that then the current numbers, which is 100 indoors and 250 uh, outdoors, those can be reduced uh, to what we had during level mm-hmm. three, uh, to be 50%, and uh, you limit it to 100 externally. So that's generally what you need to do to contain the, 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 the spread of infections. And then the second part was then the movement of people. That's what we understand to be another factor, and therefore you can extend the curfew uh, to uh, earlier hours. And our proposal was 11 p.m., which will mean that an outlet, a restaurant or a tavern will then have to close at 10. And in that way, then we are able to manage both of those situations without closing down the economic activity. 
We are talking to Sibane Mgati, who's chairperson of the South African Liquor Brand Owners Association. I'd like to hear from you as an A-team listener. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you feel that uh, this potential third wave of COVID-19 um, is, is a call for the government to actually bring on stricter uh, regulations around the liquor industry? Or do you feel things should just be eased up? Uh, we are, after all, doing a bit better. Please call in on 011 if you've got any questions to ask Sibane, maybe you are in the liquor industry and uh, you have seen your job being taken when uh, the, the, the total shutdown was implemented and how it impacted you, please do call in. The number to dial 011-714-2006. WhatsApps go to 0614-104-107. Sibane, now we are aware that uh, the last three alcohol bans led to a loss in sales of revenue of about 36.3 billion rands for the alcohol industry and also putting almost 200 odd jobs at risk. Do, do you feel that this... Um, you know, huge number of loss in terms of revenue in sales and uh, the job risks. Do you feel that we have recovered from it or we are steadily going towards recovery? Uh, certainly not. If you look at the overall GDP, uh, decline of what, uh, about 8% uh, in that uh, GDP growth. And part of that is the alcohol industry, which contributes around about $173 billion. And in the 12 months, that 173 billion has declined by uh, another 57 billion because of the three bands that we, we have had. And it's really a, a difficult situation. Uh, if we focus in terms of just the volumes uh, that we, we, we sell, uh, that has declined around about 20 to 25%, depending on whether you are looking at beer or spirits. And then if we have another band, then it means a further a further decline, and I think in context, um, in terms of uh, alcohol sales, for every bottle we sell, then we contribute to the to the fiscus, and they, as a result of the previous three pens, we have had nine billion losses in terms of contribution to government tax through excise tax. Uh, so in that situation, it becomes a lost loss situation, and what we have been trying to explain to government is. If you close formal sales, it doesn't mean that people are not purchasing. They start purchasing illegally, either legal products that are sold illegally or illegal products themselves that are produced in, 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 in back rooms. And in that situation, then it's a loss for us in terms of sales uh, opportunities and a loss for government because those, in, those uh, entities do not pay any tax. And uh, the Commissioner of Serbs in particular has acknowledged that the growth of the illegal uh, networks or smugglers has grown significantly and it will take us years to, to deal with that. And we therefore need to, to be conscious that uh, if we are closing sales, we are basically opening up uh, criminality and uh, encouraging illegal uh, activity in the country. Well, in terms of revenue that can be collected uh, by the South African receivers of revenue from the alcohol industry, it's quite uh, it's quite a substantial one, especially with the syntax that has been uh, increased in the last uh, budget speech that we were given by Tito Mboweni. But uh, now, Sibane, how are you planning as uh, the, the, the South African Liquor Brand Owners Association to ensure that South Africans who are consuming alcohol, South Africans who are selling alcohol, are not uh, putting 
the industry at risk because it is the consumers and the sellers who end up putting everyone else in the industry at risk and then we see a shutdown. Yeah, I think the starting point for us is um, if you look at what we call the off-trade, which is your typical bottle store, going to purchase at a bottle store has no higher risk than going to a grocery shop to buy bread and other things. So those that channel, there is no real reason why it should be closed and therefore uh, this allows people to purchase and have their home consumption. And then the second part is the um, what we call then the on-trade, which is a, a space where you purchase and sit and enjoy your, your, your drink. That element is really, really critical to the overall strategy of the country to grow tourism. Uh, whether it's in a winery or in a typical restaurant, and everyone would like to have uh, that moment. And so the restaurant sector has committed in terms of compliance with um, maximum number of people that are allowed in, into an outlet and uh, social distancing and sanitizing those those spaces. And I don't think, um, we think that there is a greater degree of compliance in that space and it can be allowed to to operate and if there are problems therefore we need to deal with enforcement where people either exceed the the number of uh, patrons that are allowed into an outlet or uh, or trade beyond the hours that are, are allowed it's easier to deal with that than to just shut down an outlet altogether because if you look at the profitability of a of a restaurant much of the income comes from alcoholic drinks versus other things that they do and if you shut down that but they really uh, uh, operate at a loss altogether let me go to our a-teamers on the line emmanuel in cape town good morning uh good morning patricia and good morning to your guests and to the listeners uh patricia i just want to give you a scenario somebody a father has five children in the house and he's punishing the five children for the mistake or the bad behavior of one of the child, I want you to answer me. When will he call? When will he correct that child? When will that child that is causing problem in the family? When will that child be corrected? Be made to know that he's doing something bad for when others are being punished. You see, the the issue of banning alcohol doesn't come into play in this situation we 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 have here. Instead of banning alcohol, people are abusing alcohol. These are the people that the law and the government should deal with. We keep, we keep, the government and everybody keep putting eyes away from these lawless people, these people that are creating problems. And then we, we make their problem, everybody's problem. It is wrong. You can't be punishing the whole country, people losing their jobs and other activities because of just a few people who, who do not want to behave responsibly in the, in, the, in, in the community. This is absolutely wrong. So I do not support any ban of, of, of alcoholics, but I support stricter, I mean, a double stricter restrict, you know, discipline and execution of the law for those who violate the law. During lockdown, people buy alcohol three, four times higher than the normal price. They buy cigarettes three, four times higher than normal price. So it, it shows that banning of any of these substance of any of these things doesn't work. So we should implement anybody caught drinking and driving 
should go to jail, not not fine. Anybody drinking and moving on the road should go to jail and not fine. And that we should we should we we should start facing reality. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Emmanuel. Actually, I was quite shocked uh, over the weekend going to a, a shopping centre um, to get essentials, and I'm seeing people on the side of you know the parking lot drinking alcoholic beverages. I I was beside myself. I was like, what's happening? So I understand what Emmanuel is saying. Be strict on the individuals, not on the entire uh, industry. Lisiba, who's in Mabupane, good morning. Good morning. How are you, ma'am? Good, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. It is a problem when you you get an opinion of somebody whose only return of investment comes from your misery because they will try to sugarcoat your misery. The same thing that they are pretending to be to be protecting, you know, livelihoods and so on. These people do retrenchments. What do they think of those people when they retrench? Because now it is the, the livelihood. If that, there's a problem, why don't they sell machinery or trucks or something? So they are not the barometer. They are not the right people to tell us what to do. Because in the locations, all you see is just liquor outlets where there is Totally no social distancing, no mask, nothing. They go there and deliver. But whose so responsibility is it, Lisiba, whose responsibility is it in those particular locations that you are mentioning when people are not wearing masks? Is it the responsibility of the liquor trader or the individual who's not wearing their own mask? I think the answer is if you give children petrol to play with, whose responsibility it is? Because... If they have a match, uh, um, they are responsible. They mustn't light the match because they are next to petrol. They are responsible. So when people are drunk, you can. they are children. They need a nanny. So don't get them. Your line is cutting there, Lesiba, but uh, your point is well noted. Let me go back to Sibane. Sibane, Lesiba and Emmanuel both make, uh, uh, you know, analogies around children and uh, differing <laughs> analogies. Uh, but I'd like you to weigh in on uh, their comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's probably that in terms of law, we, we, anyone who, need, who can purchase alcohol needs to be 18 years or above, in, in which case it's person who can who can take conscious decision, uh, enter into contract or get married or whatever the case may be. So we, we can use analogy of children because that category of people should not be having access to alcohol at all by law. And as, as, as traders, we do not we, we would like to make sure that that doesn't happen. It's one of the problems that we think we need to be focusing on. And then in, in terms of, I think, the, the caller mentioned the issue of retrenchments. The reality, yes, as you correctly said, about 200,000 of the, of the 1 million jobs that are supported by the industry throughout the value chain are at risk because of these bans. So that starts from uh, the, the, the beginning, which is the growing of grapes and, and other crops that uh, come into production of, of the sector, bottles, distribution, up to, say, an outlet, a tavern or a bar, 
that uh, people will eventually enjoy include our products with. So if you have then a shutdown, it affects all of that value chain and therefore puts uh, jobs at risk. A typical Javan will have average four people employed, one for security, another for bartendering, and another one for cleaning. So if you shut down a Javan, you mean you have average of four people will be probably unemployed for all of that period. And whether the the Chavan does recover or doesn't, then it means those people may as well uh, lose uh, jobs. So from our perspective, the issue of abuse of alcohol needs to be addressed in a much more comprehensive and longer-term issue. It's a behavioral issue. And therefore, if you deal with the behavioral problem, then you need much more sustainable interventions. We have made an offer, at least in regard to, for instance, uh, drinking and driving, that the problem there is that the people perceive that there is a less risk of them being caught drinking and driving. Even if they are caught, there is less risk of them being successfully prosecuted. So in that case, we have offered to uh, RTMC and the Department of Transport uh, what we call Alcohol Evidence Center. It's a technology that is able to collect evidence on-site. So you stop somebody driving and you you can collect evidence and make it available for for much more successful uh, prosecution. And if we are able to implement that effectively, then we will be able to probably uh, drive a message that says if you risk uh, drinking and driving, there is high probability of you being caught and secondly being, being successfully prosecuted. And then there's, uh, the other side is, of course, the underage drinking, which is a grave, grave concern. Uh, we are aligning with the retailers to make sure that that area is uh, covered as much as possible to make sure that, uh, and ensure that everyone who purchases uh, from at least from the formal sector is 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 of a legal of a legal drinking age. The the reality is, um, our economy does depend on certain economic activities. South Africa is a big exporter of wine. We are among the top ten exporters of wine. We compete with Argentina's, Australia's, and others. So in that context, we need to look at it from an economic contribution of the sector and say is how do we make sure that it continues to uh, uh, contribute positively to the overall revenue of the country, but also is consumed in a responsible manner. And that's where I think we need much more collaboration with government and civil society to address the issues of abuse of alcohol. Let me go to some of the voice notes. Good morning, Patricia and I guess the, Patricia, I just want to ask you guess that the, as the alcohol industry, have they ever considered uh, the reduction of alcohol percentage since well they are well aware of the consequences of abusing alcohol? Thank you very much. C- can you respond to that, please, Siban? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of innovation that's happening in that space. Uh, if you have noticed, there is a, a lot of what we call zero uh, percent and alcohol-free beverages that have uh, emerged. 
Um, and it's across the board, from wines to, to beers and even spirit drinks. You will have a gin and tonic that is uh, 0% alcohol. So in that space, yes, we, we are innovating and we are promoting those products. And uh, there is a good uptake, actually, if you look at the trends globally. Uh, they, those products are, are growing quite significantly as people begin to be conscious of, of their health, but they still... Uh, prefers to have much more what you can call adult drink. Uh, so to have a gin and tonic that is zero uh, percent, it's it's a, it's it's a good thing to have a kind of a social occasion amongst adults, uh, but still be able to enjoy what is a prepared uh, type of beverages without an alcohol or, or any level of intoxication in it. So that that area we, we are growing, uh, probably all companies are very much focused on that space. In South Africa, it's taking off and it's growing, I think, with the bands. It has grown quite, quite significantly and we expect it to grow even further. More voice notes. Uh, good morning, um, Patricia. Anonymous here. I work in the alcohol industry and I can tell you right now that it's painful for me to go out and see my customers every day, see them going hungry because of this lockdown. Um, It has also affected our jobs as well. But for me, I think the the most hurtful thing is when you go to a a tavern and then there's no stock and the customer doesn't have money to even go and buy stock because she has used the, the money that he or she has used the money to buy food. And now if we have another lockdown, our customers gonna even recover. I mean, I've got customers who, have, who, who, who um, aren't open yet through this lockdown. And yeah, it's, it's what hap- what's happening to us is, is, is really painful. Thanks. Hi, good day, Patricia. Good day, A-teamers. I personally feel there is no need to ban alcohol. Or maybe they can restrict it if they wanted to. Well, uh, those are the voice notes. Um, As we round off our discussion with Sibane Mgati, who's chairperson of the South African Liquor Brand Owners Association. Sibane, thank you very much for joining us. It's been such a great pleasure. Is there anywhere that people in this industry can contact you? Uh, yes, uh, I represent an organization called South African Liquor Brand Owners Association. Uh, so it's called SALPA. So our website it will be salpa.co.za and there will be contact details in, in, in that space. Uh, certainly, I think what for us is worrying at this point is the weekend reports, uh, particularly from uh, the press, that suggest that government is considering increasing the number of gatherings to 1,000 indoors and about 5,000 outdoors. We, Unfortunately, we can't continue because it's already 11 o'clock and I need to go to the news. So everyone will definitely go to your website for more details. Thank you for joining Thank you. us. Thanks. Let's go to Nandika Bukas for the 11 o'clock uh, bulletin.